Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We're going to continue in on the the last part of the Be Happy series in the book of Philippians. We've gone through the entire book of Philippians uh, nearly this week or this year. And so uh, we've got this week and I'll conclude Philippians next week and we'll wrap up that. But today as we we come and we continue chapter number four. Uh, last week we spoke of having spiritual unity. We spoke of having spiritual stability. And, and Paul was writing and he encouraged the, the believers there in Philippi to unite together. He said in the letter that they should be gentle towards all men, that they should unite in prayer, and that in that God would grant them peace if we were to go back towards the beginning what we went through last week. And that the peace of God would keep and would guard their hearts and minds through and in Christ Jesus. What a powerful, powerful thought and truth to know that as we live and dwell in Him, that God, the one, the only true God that we sung about, that we sang about this morning, and that we lifted up this morning in song, He is Lord, says that He will protect and guard our hearts and our minds. Paul doesn't just stop there. He says that he not only wants us to be united together, he wants us to have stability spiritually, but he wants us to to stay there. See, the idea isn't that we just have a moment of peace, that that we just have this glimpse of hope, that we have this glimpse, is that we would stay there, that we could sustain that. Christ didn't die so that we could have 30 seconds of a good life. Christ died so that we could have an abundant life and live that in him and that God through His Son, giving that to us, that we can live that life. He said that He wants us to sustain that. And this morning, as we come into the passage this morning that we're going to be in, I believe that it teaches us, that it shows us, that it talks about how it is that we can sustain the peace of God, that we can sustain that spiritual unity, that we can sustain having that stability in our lives. This morning, we'll be talking about the mind. This morning, everything is going to be based on our thoughts and our mind. The bulk of this morning's sermon will probably be the introduction. I've got a lot of passages of Scripture that we're going to go through within the introduction and and share with us the mind that we had before Christ and the mind that we have and are able to have after Christ to know Him as Savior. The reality is, when we look at being spiritually united in Christ, when we look at having spiritual stability in our lives, we need each other. I need you as much as you need me. You need the person beside you as much as they need you. We need each other. If nobody encourages me, I become discouraged. Just like if nobody encourages you, you you become discouraged. If nobody has your back, so to speak, you feel left out and alone. And if I feel left out and alone, it's the same thing. We need each other. The church needs each other. 
God's Word puts that in place. I believe all throughout the New Testament, there's passages of Scripture that speak so much on unity that we would be together, that we would bind together, that we would have each other's back. If we look at the vision of Oasis Baptist Church, it's that, that we would grow in God's Word and then that we would encourage one another in that. And so as we get into this passage of Scripture this morning in Philippians chapter number 4, we're going to look at the thoughts. We're going to look at our minds a little bit. And I, I, I feel like I probably say this more often than it needs to be said, but I believe with all of my heart If we can grasp a hold of the mind and the thought process of our minds, it will radically transition the life that we live and the salvation that we hold on to in Christ. Because so much of our lives are spent, so much of our lives are spent in the mind and ratifying certain things within our mind. Not in unity, not giving us stability, not enabling us to charge forward together. None of those things because we, we dissect so much within our mind. And many times I believe in that process we forget. We forget who we were and the mind that we were in, before Christ and what God's Word says that we are to be after Christ And I believe oftentimes we forget those two things and we come to the middle and we kind of blend the two of them and we have the worldly mind and we have the Christian mind and we we try to think like God but yet we we try to act like this and, and we try to blend them together somewhere in between and it does not work. And I just believe with all of my heart this morning as I studied this past week and that if we can grasp and understand the mind today, the salvation that God has given to us, the the transformation that God desires for each and every one of us in Christ, that it can change and transform the salvation and the day and the, the lives in which we live on a daily basis. If you would, if you're not already there, grab your copy of God's Word and go to Philippians chapter number 4. We will be in two verses this morning, verses number 8 and 9. And we're going to discuss continuing in the peace of God. So Philippians chapter number 4, starting in verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just... Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Father God, I come to you this morning. Lord, I ask that the truths of Your Word would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that we are here with an open heart, an open mind, ready and waiting, anticipating for what You have for us today. 
God, I just pray that you would speak this morning and you would be heard and not me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we get into this passage, this passage states a couple of things that we are to do in reference to what we ended last week. Again, last week we talked about having a a peace and that stability that God wants to give us uh, all of these things. He wants to give us. He wants us to be spiritually united. He wants us to have stability in our lives and He wants to give us and grant us that peace. But as we continue to go through and as we go through this passage and even if we go to verse number 7, in the peace of God which passeth all understanding, it says, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and he says, finally, whatsoever things are true. Today, really, we have two points this morning that I'm going to hit on and both of which are really more action oriented than they are just me teaching you today. But as we go through this, if we were to to look at God's Word this morning in a couple different ways, it says in Proverbs 23 and verse number 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our lives are a product of our thoughts. If we were to go to Mark chapter number 7, starting in verse number 20, I believe it's on the screen, but it says, And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, our, out, of our, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. When we look at this passage of Scripture... And we look at the things, for he that, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As we look at our minds, as we look at this passage of scripture and we go through it, and God said to rejoice, and God said to do this, and God's given us this, and he's given us peace, he wants to have all these things, but he goes back to, and Paul goes right back to, but God wants to protect and guard our hearts and our minds. Why? Based on these passages of scripture. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In these passages of Scripture, all of these things proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, so on. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. It all comes from the heart. It all comes from the mind. Many of these things, what is inside will come out eventually. What I think in my mind will come out of my mouth eventually. God's Word tells us to guard against those things. God's Word spoke that we would be united, and He said in all of those things, the peace of God which passeth all understanding will keep our hearts, it will keep our minds in Christ Jesus. So this morning as we look at these thoughts of looking at our minds, knowing and understanding that the inside will catch up with us, the heart of the man and thoughts, and eventually those thoughts becomes action. We must have a biblical mindset. We must think biblically. We must be thinking and dwelling on these things. 
See, in the day and age in which we live, and it's really not just today, if, if you think sometimes that we live in a day and age that nobody else has ever thought of these things, that's not really the truth. For all, man, all time, for all mankind ever really lived in a what-feels-good-to-me type of a society. I think the difference is in our society maybe than 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 20 or 30 years ago, is that most of that is at our fingertips all the time. It's so much in our face differently than it may have been in times past. But see, as a believer, here's what our thought and here's what our minds should be based on. Our minds, our thoughts, our hearts, our actions should be founded and based on God's Word. How I live my life should be founded here. What I do and the actions that I take should be founded here. My thought process should be founded here and started here. And from there come the other things. But what we often do, what I often do is, how does it feel? What is the response that I'm getting now? Because here's the reality. Here's where we live. We live on a cell phone mode function, generation, whatever you want to call it, where our smartphones can take us anywhere in the world instantly, and every other thing thereafter should be instantaneous for us. So how does it feel now? What is it like now? What are all of those things, and how does all that know? Well, for us, for you and I that sit in this room today, most everybody in here would say, yes, I proclaim Jesus Christ, I live by Jesus Christ, I love God. Our, what does this make us feel, should be based on here. Nowhere else. But sad but true for many in this room, myself included, there's so many times where it goes back to how do I feel? When they said that, what does it make me feel like? When they acted like that, what does it make me feel like? And we often eliminate what God's Word has said and it goes back to just what do I feel like? I, we live in such a day and age where God is just thrown out of everything. But let me challenge you that sit in this room who would profess Christ. Don't throw Him out of your world and say, I go to church. Don't throw Him out of your home and say that I read God's Word and our family goes to church. Because I believe more than ever we live in a day where most people are biblically illiterate, where the home that professes Christianity and professes Christ does not live it. We attend on a Sunday morning and we raise our hands and say that we worship, but the actions and the attitudes and the thoughts and the words do not back up with what that is. And it's, the, it's an entire culture that has permeated our churches, it has permeated our homes, it has permeated every area of our lives, and then we go, what is going on with our world and our society today? I was somewhere this week, and I was talking to somebody, and I was waiting for somebody to fix something that had to be fixed, and I was sitting there, and I have no idea how it got mentioned, but somebody said, well, yeah, you know, well, it was, it was October, and it's so hot in Vegas in October right now, and this person said, well, it is global warming, that's a real thing. And I just kind of chuckled and I said, well, if you believe that, 
And I didn't say, I didn't take it any further. I didn't, it wasn't one of those, well, God's words. It wasn't none of that. It was just a, basically I said, I think that's a little foolish right there. I said, global warming is called four seasons. You've got winter, spring, so on and so forth. And it gets hotter and it gets cooler and it just happens every day. But anyway, so I made a comment. And in that comment, the next thing the, the lady says had to do with evolution. I did not say anything. I said basically the same thing. I just don't believe that. And she, this is what she said. And this, I'm, I'm, I have a reason for why I'm saying this. She said this. I find it easier to believe the science of evolution than some random guy just said, create it, and it was done in six days. That is the culture in which you and I live. Some random guy. I wanted to jump out of my skin. I wanted to engage a conversation, but I did not. I kept quiet. And within three to five minutes, the guy beside me, there was, we we're sitting at a table. I was at the Apple store. We're sitting at the table, if you've ever been there, and there's like six of us, eight of us sitting around this table. And the guy that's working with me, because everybody was waiting on something to update or upload, whatever. And the guy that was waiting on me, it was us two, and she was at this corner. And he goes, so what do you do? <laughs> ah! I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, that all makes sense now. I wasn't sitting there to get in an argument. I really, we were, we were all kind of having an interesting conversation even prior to that. But, but it was just one of those, I say all of that because why? Our culture is, that's just some random guy in six days created. That is the culture that we've lived. And here is my concern and here's my challenge is that you and I don't add that just random guy into church, but we like to call it and package it something different than that. Because it's not just some random guy. But we live our lives so much, even as believers, that it's just a random guy. And we forget the power of God. We forget the grace of God. We forget so much of those things in our everyday lives. This quote I took as I was studying, it didn't give an author, but it came from Right Thinking in 1985. The gentleman said this, What scares me is the anti-intellectual, anti-critical thinking philosophy that has spilled over into the church. This philosophy tends to romanticize the faith, making the local church into an experience center. Their concept of, quotation, church is that they are spiritual consumers and that the church's job is to meet their felt needs. All of these things permeate our minds on a daily basis. God has given each and every one of us a brain that works and gives us thought unlike any other creation that He created. There is no animal that thinks like you and I do, regardless of what they try to tell you. There is nothing that was created like you and I are created. 
There is no thought process and no thought pattern that goes into any other creation that he gave to us. Isaiah said it like this, Come now, let us reason together. Let us think together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There are so many things within our mind. Go with me for just a few moments. Again, I made reference. The introduction is the longest part of this. I, we're 20 minutes into that, so just so you're aware. If we go into our mind prior to and without Christ, I'm just going to read a couple passages of Scripture that take us to that place. Romans chapter number 8. Or, I'm sorry, Romans chapter number 1, and I believe this is on the screen, but Romans chapter number 1, in verse 28, it says, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Our minds prior to Christ, without Christ, are of reprobate or depraved. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 says it this way, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. Without Christ, we are of perverse and corrupt minds. Romans chapter number 8, starting in verse number 5, reads, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Our hearts prior to God, without God, are hardened to spiritual truth. They are foolish to those who do not know. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. When you don't know Christ, our mind, our eyes are blinded to the goodness of who God is, the greatness of who God is. Thus, I can make a statement, or somebody can make a statement, some random guy who created. Titus chapter 1 says, But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. I go through all of this this morning, not just to read verses that have to do with our minds, not just to take us to something, but I want us to think and remember that is each and every person that sits in this room. My mind is hardened. My heart is hardened. My thought process outside of Christ is wicked. That's who we are. So when we read the passage of Scripture this morning out of Philippians and we we think of this is something that we are to think on, this is something that makes us, this will keep that peace, this will keep that joy, this will keep keep those things, to think on these things, it is hard. It is something that you and I have to do so intentional in everything that we do to think on these things. Because my natural man thinks on all of those things. The natural man that I am thinks of all of the wickedness. It thinks of everything that I should not think of. 
It's only in Christ that my mind can think and understand and recognize that, wow, I don't have to live defeated anymore. I am no longer that person over there. I'm no longer what that was. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. God opens up our eyes. God takes us from death and He brings us to life. And it's only in Him that the mind can stop thinking this way and think over here. But it has to be you and I our very intention to do just that. This isn't just something that we just wake up and go, oh, I love all people and everything is great. Because that's not within any of us. That is only Christ. It is... From some of these things, as we continue on, I'm going to give you a quote. Jay Gresham said this, What the Holy Spirit does in the new birth is not to make a man a Christian regardless of evidence, but on the contrary, to clear away the mists for his eyes or from his eyes and enable him to attend to the evidence. God's Word, when God's Word, when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, when the Holy Spirit begins to come into us, see, it's natural that you and I would say, there is a God. It's natural that the people all across the world that lives in the jungles, that that worship the moon gods and worship the tree gods and worship the flowers this and that person and that person, it is natural that they would say that there is a God, but it's only by the Holy Spirit revealing Himself to us, opening up our eyes, that we would say, it is the God, there is but one God. And that only comes through the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in our midst. And so when we look at all of these things, when we go back through all of this, I have to understand this is what I thought. This is who I am. And God came in. And God wiped all that stuff out. God cleared up my mind. I no longer have to think depraved. I no longer have to act that way. I no longer have to think ill of everybody. I no longer have to do that because the grace of God now comes over top of that and He allows me to see you a little bit different. He allows me to see the world a little bit different. He allows my mind to be pure in thought with outside of Him I cannot do. So this morning, I have two, po- two points. The first is this, and they're very, very simple. You could have wrote this sermon yourself, is think on these things. Think on these things. Because here's what God's Word, here's what Paul was telling them as we go through this whole process of our mind, is to think on these things. To act on these things. To, to jump in. To intentionally do this. If we want unity. 
if we want stability in our spiritual lives, if we want the peace of God that passeth all understanding, which God's Word says there in just verse number 7, if we want that in our lives, we have to think on these things. I could probably take this passage of Scripture into almost every counseling meeting and say, here you go. Pray, unite, give thanks, and keep your mind thinking on Him. And out of those, give us the peace of God that we all desire in every single area of our lives. But think on these things. The psalmist said, Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all of my heart. These are deliberate actions that we must take in order to live the life and have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Think on what things the very first thing is this. And I'm just going to go straight through this passage. Whatsoever things are true. Here's the reality. I could probably use this word and not have to go anywhere else. Whatsoever things are true. Well, what is true? I guarantee you everybody in this room could say, well, I know what truth is. Truth is John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Psalm 19 and verse number 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Thou art near, one, Psalm 119, 151. O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Hey, here's the reality, here's the bottom line. I could pretty much close up everything that I'm going to say with that one word, truth. Think on these things. What are those things? You think on this. Whatever is true. Everything that comes after this passage or after this word refers back to the truth of God's word. If I think, if I memorize, if I study, if I read, if I meditate, and everything within me is based on the truth of God's Word, the other things that follow just go right into line. So think on these things, that which is true, that which is honest, that which is honorable, that which is noble, dignified, worthy of respect, This word right here is literally speaking of reverence or worship. Think on those things. This same word is used in Timothy and in Titus to speak of the men who are to be the elders and the deacons. And this is the way that they should live their lives honorable, worthy of God. This word is spoken in Titus when he's talking to the older men, that they would live a life that the younger men could look up to and say, I want to be like that, honorable, dignified, having dignity, having all of those things. We are to think on those things that are honest, not those things that are trivial and temporal and mundane and common, 
but those things that are honest and of, we would revere of worship and heavenly. Not only just to think of truth, but we would to think of honest. We would think of just. Whatever is right, whatever is righteous, describing our thoughts on the things that would be in perfect harmony with God's eternal, unchanging standards as is based in God's Word or truth. The things that are just. Are, is our thinking just? Is our thinking righteous? Is our thinking describing the thoughts that would be in perfect harmony with God? Let's think of all of these things. When we put all of these things together, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but I'll, I'll catch back up to it. Are all of these thoughts that you have towards others to encourage and lift them up, that they would think on truth, that they would do those things? Do you encourage all of these and the conversations that you have towards others as well? Think on truth, honest, just, pure. That which is holy. That which is morally clean and pure. This is dealing with the moral thoughts, the lusts, the things that go and permeate our minds. Thinking on those. What about thinking on things that are lovely? Sweet and gracious. Generous and patience. It's incredible that God's Word speaks of my wife. I could say something there, I probably shouldn't, but it was a long time ago after I broke up with her that we got back together. And at that time, one of the very key reasons that I chose to date my wife was that she was probably the sweetest person I had ever met in my life. I was 17 years old, so I didn't know a lot of people yet. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, in all seriousness, are our thoughts thoughts that are lovely? Are our thoughts those that are sweet and gracious and generous and patient? Hey, again, As we think in our mind, so are we. As we think those generous thoughts, I become generous. As I think on all of those things, I become those things. Thoughts of good report. This good report and lovely appear nowhere else in Scripture. Having a good report is to keep our minds and our hearts on those things that are well thought of and of a high regard. Our thoughts should be elevated and should elevate us on God's Word. And lastly this morning is that virtue and praise. That we should be thinking on things that are excellent, that are of high regard, that are the, at the praise of the name of Jesus Christ. As our thoughts go off of these things, instability is no longer there. 
If my mind is set on things that are true, things that are just, things that are honest, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of good rapport, things that are virtuous, as my mind is set on those things, the stability that I am seeking after in my Christian life, we don't need to live a life that's just like this. As my mind is set, we see stability. As my mind is set within the body of Christ, we see unity. As our minds are set on these things, we see the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It makes it a lot easier when my mind is set on these things to look back up to verse number 7 where it says to pray always with thanksgiving. Because in the midst of all things, when my life is a complete train wreck and I don't understand and I want to know why God, why God, why God, I can look at God and I can say I've done all my best to, to base it on God's Word. To think on things that are pure, to think on things that are just, and the things that are righteous, and the things that are all of those things. I can look at that and I can say, God, my heart is as right as it can be. I don't know what else is there. Here I am. Thank you for the complete misery of the day and the week and the month that you've just given me. I don't know why. I don't understand But God, here's what I know. You've said in your word to thank you that the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds. But it says in verse 6, I sorry, I mixed them up, sorry. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Guess what's the hardest thing to do? God, thank you for Allowing me to lose my job this week and not know where I'm going to pay for the food and the the things that my family needs. It's not easy. God, thank you for allowing me to get smacked in the face when I didn't know that I did anything. God, thank you. And you can put your circumstance in that list. It's not easy. But when this is the foundation of it, this is the truth of God's Word, and everything thereafter builds upon that. The thoughts of truth allow me to have the thoughts that are pure. The thoughts of truth allow me to think on just things. The thoughts of truth allow me to think of honorable things. The thoughts of truth allow me to think on virtue and praise. The thoughts of truth allow me to add upon and add upon and add upon. And those are the thoughts of God that allow me to have the peace of God that passeth all understanding that nobody can understand and nobody can comprehend. The second and last point this morning is that we would act on these things. See, here's the reality of pretty much every service, every time you sit down to a devotion, every time you've sat through a Bible study, every time God's Word has been opened or anything that you've been a part of, the reality is this. This is the last point. Act on these things. I can scream and shout. I can get red. I can spit. I can... Sweat, I can do any of those things up here. But if we walk out of the doors and we've taken God's word and we've said, well, that was cool. I checked it off my list. I'm going to set it down and we're good. Guess what never changes? Us. Nothing changes in that. Go back to when Paul was writing this letter. He was writing a letter to the church at Philippi 
And he was encouraging them to act on these things. And he said to follow after and do as I have done. They didn't have the, completed God's, the completion of God's word. They had men like Paul who would teach them and show them and disciple them and walk with them and show them everything. And he said, hey, follow after and do as I have done for you. He says, act on these things. As we continue through, and I've got just a couple things this morning and we are done. These are not... In this passage of Scripture, this is not just a bunch of abstract things that God said, hey, I think this would be good for me to tell you to to think about. God is giving us a command to act upon in our thought life Him. He's not saying this would be okay. He's commanding us to do these things, think on these things. Colossians chapter 3 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That should be our desire. That should be the foundation that God's word would dwell in us. That we would then act upon those things. And he says in verse number 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. He says the things, one, that you have learned. This is in reference to the teaching and the instructing and the, the discipling that Paul had done with those people. That he would, they would take this, I've, I've poured into you, I've taught you, I've showed you, I've done all that I can do. Take it, the things that you have learned. He goes on and he says, the things that you have received. We've received revelation from God in many different ways. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that that they received the word of God which performs its work in you. All throughout Paul's life and his writings, I should say, he called nearly all of those churches to receive and to put into practice God's word. Receive the teachings and put those teachings to use by continuing those teachings. See, it's not, it's not just up to me to be the one that does the teaching. I am doing my best to encourage. I am doing my best to lead and to guide and to direct and to, to shepherd a flock of people. But the reality is it doesn't stop here. You should take the Word of God, and as I've encouraged and I've challenged you over and over and over and over again, and I will so long as I stand here, don't just take what Pastor Aaron says as a grain or whatever and just, oh, I'm just believing everything that he says. Take it home, study it for yourself, then take it and apply it in teaching to other people. See, it's all of our jobs to take what we've been learned, or what we've learned, to take what we've heard, and then to act upon it. So he said, take the things that you've learned. Take the things that you've received. Then he says, take those things that you have heard. The reputation of Paul preceded him. Yes, they heard of the lessons of Paul. 
Paul went and poured his life into those people. But not only that, they heard and they watched as others spoke of his character. As others spoke of his lifestyle. And as others were imitating that, trickling down through the course. Take what you've learned. Take what you've received. Take what you've heard. Take what you've seen. Not only did they hear it. Not only did they receive it. Not only did they learn it. But they had, this, they had the opportunity to witness it firsthand. And then he says, do it. Act upon it. And received and heard and seen in me, do. This is, really it could be the conclusion to every sermon. To take it. To receive it. And to do something about it. If you walk away from here this morning and you walk away from any service that you ever walk in, whether you like it or you don't like it, if God's word is opened up and you leave the same, that's on you. That's on me. If I sit down tomorrow morning and I have a devotional time and I leave going, wow, that was a waste of 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever, that's on me. God, speak to me. God, I have to open up. God, I have to learn it. I have to take it. I have to receive it. I have to do something with that. I understand there's dry times. I understand there's hard times. But that comes back on us. We must take it. We must then do something with it. What are you doing with it? Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.